0: When we're, when we're talking about kids, about sexual health and body education and menstruation, introducing the concept of this really important group of muscles in our body and how to care for it. And ha- because we menstruate, because we give birth, because we will all go through menopause, we we deserve extra attention and awareness, really.
1: You're listening to Make Some Noise podcast, episode number 487 with guest Kim Vopney. You ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. And before I forget, before I forget, the episode that we're going to be talking about today, and I I will have a a couple of guests in the women's health theme where you might be like, what on earth does this have to do with personal development, Andrea? (laughs) And part of it is because I personally am interested in what these particular experts have to say because I have my own health issues, as I'm guessing that many of you do or have in the past or will in the future. But here's the thing I have noticed, not just recently, but throughout the last decade and a half or so, if my physical health is not intact, if I don't feel good in my body, because something's going on whether i know what it is or i'm trying to find out what it is i can't concentrate on doing the work the other all the other stuff that we're talking about here getting a handle on your trauma learning new tools about you know how to let go of perfectionism and people pleasing and all of the things all the things that we talk about so i wanted to kind of make sure that all of the themes were as well rounded as possible like i'm not going to have people come on talking about Easiest ways to change your oil, but basically, we're talking about how to change your oil in in your own body, in your own vehicle, if you will. So today, this particular expert, we are going to ta- be talking specifically about women's parts. I'm going to read you her bio in just a second. And recently, on a, on a personal note, also, I'm I'm bringing you this episode for the first time this intro I should say on my brand new computer. I told you guys last week about the the woes I was having with my with my other iMac and so I have a brand new one. I swear getting a new computer is like getting a brand new pair of shoes. You're like, "Oh, this is amazing. It's just fresh and new and empty and just ah, uh, I love it." All right. But on a on a personal note, on another personal note, I recently just yesterday as I'm recording this, got all of my lab results back from my doctor. I'm seeing a new doctor. I'm seeing a functional medicine doctor for the first time. I kept hearing I needed to go see a functional medicine doctor because of this autoimmune thing that I'm having. And I had a sinking suspicion. I've had a suspicion for a couple of years that I have some inflammation going on in my body. But then, do you guys ever do this where you kind of suspect that there's something going on physically and then you look into the remedy for it and it seems so difficult. You're like, is it okay? But is that really a thing? <laughs> Where can I find the debunking of this particular ailment that I may or may not have? So for me, I suspected there was inflammation going on because of a few different physical symptoms, a few different reasons, but thinking about what I might have to go through to get rid of the inflammation was daunting. Again, I didn't know if I had it or not. And then I'm like, is this pseudoscience? Is this tr- really true? I love the podcast maintenance phase. If you guys don't listen to it, you really should. And they do a lot of debunking of different health fads and trends that, and some of them are you know, kind of ridiculous. And when you hear about them, you're probably like, of course, that is going to be debunked. But I'm like, has maintenance phase done done an episode on, on gut health? I don't think that they have. I'm pretty sure I've listened to all of them and I don't think they have. But anyway, I'm looking at all of these test results and she's going over them all with me and it turns out, I forget the name of it, whatever this thing is that points to the candida in your body, mine is very high. And I was like, damn it. So we are going to go through a thing to try to rid – and I, apparently it's not a one and done, two kind of bad news bears things. It's not a one and done. It's not like you do this thing and then forever you're just free of all the yeast in your, in your gut. And then also uh, sometimes she's like, your symptoms will likely get worse before they get better. And I was like, I can't wait. I can't wait to have worse muscle and joint pain or insomnia or sleepiness or gas and bloating. I'm sure my family can't wait either for the irritability that's coming down the mountain. Anyway, I will keep you posted on how that is. I might have my doctor on here to talk about because she she deals with – she a lot of her patients are people like us, women like us. At any rate, I did not foresee this intro being so long. My apologies for keeping you. Let me tell you a little bit about today's guest. I can't wait for you to meet her. Okay, I had so many questions and here it is. Kim Vopney is a self-professed Kegel maven and is known as the vagina coach. She is a certified fitness professional who became passionate about spreading information on pelvic health after the birth of her first child. She is an author, a passionate speaker, and a women's health educator. Her most recent book, Your Pelvic Floor, launched in March 2020 and was on the bestseller list since pre-orders launched in January. Kim is the founder of... Pelvine wellness incorporated a company offering pelvic health programs products and coaching for women in pregnancy motherhood and menopause you can find her online at vaginacoach.com and on social media at vagina coach so without further ado here is kim kim thank you so much for being here thank you for having me The first thing I'm going to ask you is, this is a question that just came to me. Like, how excited were you when you were starting this project and you were like, is VaginaCoach.com available as a website? (laughs) I was
0: very excited. (laughs) Yeah, I was pretty sure it would be, but you
1: know. (laughs) Like, there's no one else. It's mine. (laughs) That's awesome. I love a good niche. You know, like, I love learning about things and you're like, you know what? there's a business for everything. (laughs) And here we are. And so I was before this earlier this morning, I was looking at more of your social media posts and adding to the list of questions that I have. And so, well, actually, let me take a few steps back since you're the first of of your kind who've been on my show. (laughs) What exactly, like when people ask, what do you do? Like at a cocktail party, what do you say?
0: Uh, usually what I say is I work in women's pelvic health and a lot of people mishear me and they say, Oh, public health. And I say, no pelvic health. And they go, Oh, and, and then I say, um, uh, my brand is the vagina coach. And then that usually, you know, a bunch of people start to laugh and ha And, the, but then they're also kind of like, well, what does a vagina coach do? Mm. And then I'll elaborate a little bit more from there. So if, if people don't ask that question, then they're just not quite comfortable with that. And then we stop and it ends and then that's that. But most people do. yeah. They're curious by yeah. me using that word and have a few little giggles. So usually my my conversation is around, I use fitness and lifestyle modifications to help women prevent and overcome pelvic floor challenges like incontinence and organ prolapse and chronic back pain. And all the things that we are told from media and our healthcare professionals are a normal part of aging or just part of being a woman.
1: Okay. Okay. I, I, I can kind of relate to like the being like a little bit uncomfortable with it. So years ago um, I started to have an overactive bladder, which I'm going to ask you about in, in a little bit here. And I was talking to a woman who does massage work, but it's the kind of massage worker. It's like more body work, like rolfing mm-hmm. and those types of things. And she was mm-hmm. saying, she's like, you need a pelvic floor expert. And so she was explaining mm-hmm. what this person does. So it's like internal. And I was like, is this like a professional finger banger? Like that's what yep. <laughs> <And> she's <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> I never did get around to 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 hiring anyone. Um but the, well, let's start there. So talk to us about overactive bladder and then also training your bladder because that was something that I was struggling with, and my doctor said, um stop going to the bathroom just in case like I would do it before I would leave the house cuz I knew I didn't want to go when we were at Target cuz it irritates my kids and so talk to us about that yeah yeah and and
0: first of all I think it's great that your doctor said that cuz I think that there's also a lot of people who would be put on medication yeah. and or she sent didn't. down the route route of you know doing all this testing when Overactive bladder is a term that a lot of people almost self-diagnose themselves as having. And a lot of even sometimes care providers will just assume that if somebody's going to the bathroom all the time, it must be because they have overactive bladder. So let's see what medication we can put them on. People think they have overactive bladder because they're going to the bathroom all the time. But a lot of the reason why they are going to the bathroom all the time can be diet related and it can also mm-hmm. be behavior related. So you just nail, put, hit the nail on the head by saying, I went to the bathroom every time I left the house. And then I went to the bathroom here and here. So I'm, I'm, I was filling that in. You didn't say yeah, that. Yeah. But you well, I often here, like, so. I
1: often half joke, like never, like I need, need a t-shirt that says like, never pass up an opportunity to go to the bathroom. Right. So even if you what don't that have to go in that moment. Is,
0: yeah. So you're interrupting the brain bladder communication. So usually the, the bladder sends messages and and basically to say, I'm full now. And if we are interrupting that by voiding earlier than when those messages are being sent, then the bladder will start to basically like Pavlov's dog be trained to signal you when it's less full.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so you start to get into patterns and it's also, you know, the sound of running water or every time I go to my fitness class, because you always pee before your fitness class, because you always pee before, before you leave the house because you always pee as soon oh, as you I've get home. i never
1: thought about that. So it's like, so every time I go to Target, I have to pee probably because I've trained myself to do that.
0: Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's become a trained behavior,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a response. And just like it's been trained to signal you there, you can also train for it not to signal you there. So that's where the bladder training piece comes in and a bl- something called a bladder diary is used pretty effectively for a lot of people. And it points out common bladder irritants. So sometimes it's food that's irritating your bladder. Sometimes it's dehydration. Sometimes it's constipation. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's the behaviors and the bladder diary can help you identify those things. And it's just a matter of tracking your food intake and your, your liquid intake, and also your voiding habits and symptoms. Did you have urgency? Did you leak? What activity were you doing? how long in between voids. So two and a half to four hours would be considered normal voiding if you are staying hydrated throughout the day and you're not having an irritant of some sort. And common irritants are caffeine, Caffeine. alcohol, Mm -hmm. spicy foods, chocolate, (laughs) um, artificial sweeteners, dairy for, for many people. And so if not to say that every single person will be irritated by all of those things or their bladder will be, but If you do notice, a lot of people will notice, especially in the morning after they have a coffee or a green tea, Mm -hmm. they have stronger urges. They have to go more often. So it's also diuretic. And then you can make a choice and you say, well, I'll just know that when I have my coffee, I have more stronger urges, or I can choose half-calf or I can choose decaf Mm -hmm. and and make your choices there. Um, But at least you have that information.
1: Yeah, it did help. um, Just waiting to go to the bathroom until I actually had to go to the bathroom. I will say that it, that helped, but I've also heard somewhere that even though having to, you know, whether it's like a official overactive bladder or not, that it's a common problem, but not a normal one. Is that correct? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I would say that about a lot of pelvic floor challenges. There's a lot of uh, normalizing the dysfunction. So we want to normalize the conversation around pelvic health. We don't want to normalize leaking. So leaking is presented to us through media that it's quote unquote, just part of being a woman, or it's just what happens when you age, or it's that's what happens when you kid when you have kids. And that's mm-hmm. also passed down through generations. It's talked about through f- friend groups. We laugh and giggle. I can't jump on a trampoline anymore. And so people think that it's normal and they just accept it and they wear pads and they will wear pads for the rest of their life. It's not a problem that will just go away on its own and will most likely worsen, especially as you're starting to approach menopause.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. So we want to normalize the conversation around talking about pelvic health, but it's a very common problem to leak urine or to experience pelvic organ prolapse and back pain. Back pain is very closely tied to the pelvis. And there was one Canadian study, 95% of women with low back pain have some form of pelvic floor dysfunction. So Mm. super common doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that these are normal. And they're also doesn't mean that they're not treatable. So I want people to know that as well.
1: Okay. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. With Shopify POS, you can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash noise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash noise to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com noise noise. I want to do the things that matter to me for as long as possible, which is why I drink AG1 every morning to support my brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day and I'm laying the groundwork for long-term health. I know with AG1, I'm giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily and that's why I'm excited to have them as a long-time partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash noise. That's drinkag1.com
3: slash noise. Check it out. What is a prolapse?
0: A prolapse is when the one or or all even of the pelvic organs. So in the three most common would be the bladder, the uterus and the rectum shift out of their proper anatomical position, and they can start to bulge into or descend into the vagina. So in the case of the bladder and the rectum, they sort of nestle around the front and uh, back wall of the vagina. And so if the bladder starts to prolapse, it can bulge into the front wall or the anterior wall of the vagina. When the rectum, Bulges. it bulges into the back wall or the posterior wall of the vagina. And if the uterine is displacing, it will start to descend from the top down. So it's literally at the top, like our cervix is the top of our vagina and our uterus will start to come down into it. So early stage, well, let me just say this. Statistically, 50% of women who have given birth at some point in their life have some form of pelvic floor dysfunction, Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, of pelvic ground prolapse statistically on the incontinent side incontinence statistically is usually somewhere between 35ish to 40ish percent and uh we we hear about that all the time but we never hear about pelvic organ prolapse and there was another study that even looked at women at 6 weeks postpartum over 80% of them have some degree of prolapse so why are we not screening for and talking about this condition more because it arguably has a greater influence or impact on especially our emotional and our mental health. So it can be asymptomatic early stage, not a big deal. And many doctors will consider a stage one prolapse almost normal after giving birth. But as it starts to progress, we can have symptoms of constipation, incomplete, emptying, Difficulty with inserting tampons, maybe tampons get pushed out or menstrual cups or whatever you're using. Maybe some discomfort with sex, a feeling of heaviness and dragginess, especially as the day progresses. Um, Some people, as it becomes more advanced, will have a a bulge right at the entrance to the vagina or even outside of the vagina.
1: Is it painful? Like I'm, I'm having like a physiological reaction just having you talk about it. Like is it is it is it or no? Pain is actually often. Not
0: talked about. It's more the the discomfort of it. Okay, the, the, there there can be some people can have pain, especially as it becomes more advanced. There can be irritation to because mm-hmm. it's more exposed. Um, but pain, so back pain, yes, but not so much the the bulge itself. It's more the discomfort and the feeling like something is going to fall out or feel like you have something in your vagina all the time um it's a very vulnerable sensation
1: so i had that feeling i'm having a flashback right now because after the birth of my second child um and I, I and i was a runner i don't run anymore but i probably you know shouldn't have have been running but i i kept telling my doctor i feel like my vagina and this is these are the literal words that i was using i said i feel like my vagina is like going to yeah. fall off and i'm almost positive. They had to have done a pelvic exam to check for that, but it turned out that I had SI joint dysfunction, yeah. which I'm not sure if that's in the category well, of pain. pelvic floor problems. Yes. yes. And so what the, okay. What they advised is to, is to not run anymore. They're like, you can go on walks, but just don't run until you're totally healed. And I just wasn't far enough into like the postpartum phase to put that much pressure on my body. Yeah.
0: And that's also a, a big message that I have is the right now we have a six week green light and you know, so we wait to the six weeks and then we get this clearance and sometimes that doesn't even involve an internal exam anymore. And then it's like, okay, go back to normal. And we haven't appreciated all of the change that has happened to our body over nine months. Plus the fact that we have given birth, whether that's through vaginal birth or Mm. major abdominal surgery of a cesarean section, and to think that everything has gone back to quote unquote normal at six weeks, to, in my opinion, is irresponsible and and just crazy. So we need a, a, yeah. a retraining phase, basically, to be able to remind the pelvic floor of its job, to kind of get all the muscles reoriented again, to make sure that there's been the superficial tissue healing that we have to have. And, and the, the pelvic floor is part of our core. It works with our diaphragm. Mm-hmm. It works with our some muscles in our low back called the multifidus. It works with our transverses, which is our deep abdominals. And there's this, I call it the core four unit on the inside. And we need that synergy back in order to be able to do things like running or jumping or heavy lifting or, well, anything.
1: Anything really. Yeah.
0: That's what it sounds like. There needs to be some better communication around preparing for birth, recovering from birth and retraining. And more and more research is, is highlighting that it's kind of like a, you know, it's, it can be upwards of a 12 month recovery. And before you're going back to the high impact, it's kind of like six months ish. And it should also incorporate pelvic floor physical therapy. And they should be the ones that give us the green light. They are the ones that can tell us that yes, our muscles are now ready to handle the load of a run or a jump or Mm -hmm. heavy lifting or whatever it is that we want to go, go do.
1: If I had to do it all over again, I would have done it. I would be a lot more kind to my body. (laughs) but yeah it was it was a while ago i i'm, I'm kind of jumping around because I want to make sure i touch on on a lot of different things with you and is it true and I can't remember where i heard this i think it was a friend of mine who is postmenopausal and she was talking about um that she was learning that that and I, I might be using the words wrong incorrectly but like that just like we lose elastin in our face, you know, as we age. And she was saying that you also lose elastin in the walls of your vagina. Is this true or am I kind of getting it wrong? Can you talk about
0: that? Yeah. So, postmenopause is once we have reached menopause, the one day of menopause, which th- that one day is 12 months after not having a period. So, it's like an anniversary.
1: Mm-hmm. 12 months 12, in a row. 12 right? consecutive
0: months. Yes. Then mm-hmm. we are considered postmenopause for the rest of our life. Leading up to menopause and postmenopause is perimenopause, and we can start to experience some changes. One of which is the loss of collagen, hyaluronic acid, muscle—you know—and that's happening throughout our entire body. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is to do with the fluctuating levels of hormones and the gradual decline and eventual halt in production of estrogen. And the tissues in our pelvis, the tissues in our vaginas, love estrogen. And when there's no longer circulating estrogen, the tissues start to thin and dry out. The walls of the vagina can start to narrow. And that's also compounded by the collagen and the hyaluronic acid. And so there's, and the loss of muscle mass as well. So it's, it's all of it is being compounded. And, and we often feel it because the pelvis is so Mm -hmm. central to so many things in our life. Along the way, we may have been able to just kind of say, well, you know, I'll just put a pad in and carry on. And and again, mm-hmm. we're told that that's normal. Pads can exacerbate dryness. You know, we've maybe avoided exercise now because we're afraid of leaking or we're afraid of making our prolapse worse. So now the already increased risks of our heart disease and bone is also now exacerbated yeah. by that. And so the pelvis is <clears throat> something we really need to be paying attention to along the way with pelvic floor exercise, pelvic floor physical therapy, moisturizing our vagina. So hyaluronic acid inserted into the vagina, just like we put hyaluronic acid serums on our face.
1: I was just going to say, we we spend so much time figuring out an, a skincare routine, especially like as, as we start to age. It's interesting that I have never in my life until just this moment heard that they even make products yep. for yep. that.
0: Moisturizeyourvagina.com. I'm not affiliated with them, but it's a great product.
1: Moisturizeyourvagina.com. You should
0: be affiliated I should be, with them. I know the person. I, I don't receive any royalties <laughs> okay. from it, but um, okay. we deserve a lot more education much earlier in life. It's not really, and, and mm-hmm. I found this when I was working really heavily in the prenatal world, that's really how I started my business was it was in with pregnant women. And I've always come from a place of prevention. So for me, it's just a natural thing to always be looking at what am, what's coming up and what should I be doing now? But what I learned and what I still see is people wait until there's a problem to overcome. And that's part of how our world has been set up. And I think that if we could start to plant seeds and educate people, when we're we're talking about kids, about sexual health and body education and menstruation, introducing the concept of this really important group of muscles in our body and how to care for it. And Mm -hmm. because we menstruate, because we give birth, because we will all go through menopause, we we deserve extra attention and awareness, really.
1: I didn't even take a mirror to see my vulva and everything down there until I was in my 20s. -hmm. I had never... I had never seen it. And I think about that and I'm like, I want something different for my daughter. Like I want her to know her body. I want her to know what it looks like. I want her to know all these things. I must've been in my twenties and I did. Do you remember those like three day breast cancer fundraising Mm -hmm. walks that were really popular? I don't know. I think they still do them, but they were all the rage 20 years ago. And I did one of those. And the way that it was, is they would set up these like tent cities because it was a couple of nights that we would, I'll spend the night on this very, very long Mm -hmm. three-day walk. And in the tent, like two doors down, there was all this commotion. And then the EMTs came and were helping someone. And then people are whispering that woman had had a prolapse. And I remember thinking that that was something super rare. Like this is you know something that never happens, and it was like whispered about, and it took until I was on social media. I mean, even just up until like a few months ago, like following c- accounts like yours to learn. Like, oh, this isn't all that rare. This is super happens. common. And I and I consider myself a well-educated woman who, like, you know, like it just it blows my mind. And you're right. Like, we don't we deserve more. We deserve more education on this, and not from a not from a place of like here's worst case scenario. Like I'm going to scare everybody, but no. if
0: we could present it in a powerful way of this, like we have this incredible part of the body that is for pleasure. It helps you lift heavy things. It helps you move well. It helps you poop properly. It it, all these Mm -hmm. reasons and not because again, especially as we're dealing with a problem, it becomes this doom and gloom and it's very heavy and you just you think your life is ending and you think well now and you're often told things like you can't run you can't lift heavy anymore nothing over 15 pounds you can't do this you can't do this and it's this huge long can't do list and now people are thinking well what what can i do and yeah. my life is ending, and now I can't do this, and you know. And so I, I just think that we, if we flip it and not not presented as doom and glo- and even periods right now are often presented. It's it's changing, but they're mm-hmm. often presented in a way like it's going to suck. You're going to have cramps. You're going to be moody. You're going to be Madonna. and so if mm-hmm. we if we flip that around and say this awesome thing is happening, and this is why it's happening, and this is it's like exactly. magic. <laughs> That's how I presented it to my daughter.
1: She wasn't as on board with it as I was (laughs) hoping, but I'm like, it is magic. Yes,
0: (laughs) it really is. It really is. So so I think messaging really needs to change. And and even for people who receive a diagnosis, also Mm -hmm. if we could have like definite referral to pelvic floor physiotherapy, like that is not regularly happening yet. More and more doctors are getting on board because usually the first... person that somebody sees if they have a problem is their family doctor. And, and we actually Mm -hmm. have some, some research that shows that women are waiting on average six and a half to seven years before they go seek help. Part of it because they're ashamed, part of it because they think it's normal. And then they get to the point like, I can't deal with this anymore. What, 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 what's happening. And then we'll go to their family doctor. And then with all due respect to them, when we need pharmaceuticals and when we need surgery, we absolutely want our medical providers on our team. But so much of pelvic health can be managed without drugs and surgery. Or even if surgery is required down the road, all of the work that we would be doing with lifestyle and bladder training and pelvic floor exercise will put us in a better position to go through that surgery and have better outcomes. And also not giving the impression that go have surgery and now all of your problems are fixed and, oh, you don't need to do Kegels mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, Uh-uh. I think you actually need mm-hmm. to do Kegels and pelvic floor exercise even more after you have surgery. And that message is simply not communicated. Yeah.
4: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence
3: Uh, well, speaking
1: of, um, th- th- um, you know, the vaginal walls and just the vagina in general. So can you talk about vaginal dryness and what causes it? And then I would love to continue the conversation about like how to keep things moisturized hmm. down there. Yeah. So so again,
0: there's loss of muscle mass um, lack of movement for a lot of people. So we have less blood flow and circulation, hyaluronic acid.
1: Is that is that usually just from lack of just not having se- sex that often? Just is that what like mean? whole
0: body movement, even, but also yes, okay sex. So because you are experiencing dryness and pain, now you're not going to have sex, right? So there can be a okay. loss of libido as we're approaching mm-hmm. menopause. There can also just be a lack of interest because if something is not pleasurable, if something hurts, you're not going to want to do it. Exactly. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> when we can replenish and support hyaluronic acid, estrogen, and then maintain blood flow and circulation, we it, it we kind of reinvigorate things, so to speak. And it, this is another thing that I, I, I feel so strongly about. Don't wait for it to happen. Don't wait for you to start having painful sex and dryness. It is going to yeah. happen. And over 80% of women will experience vaginal dryness, and it does not improve with age. So hot flashes usually will s- start to subside. The um, the mood side of things usually starts to improve. Vaginal dryness does not. So get on top of it early. Uh, hyaluronic acid, as I mentioned, there's lots of different products. Um, Hello, Bonafide in the U.S. is another great company. Um, in Canada, there's a company called Repagine. So there's lots of different options with hyaluronic acid ovules or creams or gels to be inserted into the vagina. And you can use those nightly. And then there's estrogen. So vaginal estrogen is, um, again, I it, to me, it's something that I believe that pretty much every single woman would benefit from being on as they're approaching that menopause transition for the rest of their life. And there's a lot of fear mm-hmm. around estrogen. A lot of that came from the Women's Health Initiative. There is zero link to any cancers of any form with local vaginal estrogen. And it can be transformative, especially when used in conjunction with hyaluronic acid. And that can then allow you to have comfort again and to be able to have sex again. And having insertive sex with or without a partner also plays a role in helping keep those tissues, preventing those tissues from starting to become so thin and the, the walls from becoming so narrow that we can't even have something inserted. So do your pelvic floor exercise, moisturize your vagina, local vaginal estrogen is something I think that we all benefit from. Did I say pelvic floor physiotherapy? I think I said that too.
1: Well yeah. <laughs> that's a it's a that's a long list that sounds very serious. But cuz I always looked at any anything that was in service of the vaginal walls in, in terms of moisture so um those things that you talked about the hyaluronic acid or even even lube i i always associated that with sex like you know penetration sex but it sounds like it's so much more than that like even if someone is choosing to not have sex that it's it's important to just for the health of your that organ yeah. in general And the organs that surround it. And so,
0: and lubricant is not a moisturizer and it's not an, it's not estrogen. So lubricant is kind of the third layer there where lubricant is used for, for sex again, with or without a partner, with or without penetration.
1: It sounds like it's a temporary solution. And
0: and it's just, it's just to, just to help with slipperiness basically. So hyaluronic acid will help improve the moisture within the tissues and can help heal already dry, irritated tissue. So it helps us retain more moisture. Estrogen helps replenish what we now no longer have circulating. And estrogen plays a role in helping the walls of the vagina stay, I will say, wrinkly. And <laughs> I just did a post on this why we want a wrinkly vagina. We have folds in the walls of our yeah. vagina called rugae, and we want those because it's what helps with juiciness and suppleness and allowing things to come in or out in the case of childbirth. Also, postpartum is a time when we also experience a loss of estrogen and vaginal dryness is a, is, um, something we can experience as well. So so even if we don't have a partner, we can still have something go inside. So it could be tampons, it could be a toy. Mm-hmm. One device that I love, again, I'm I'm not uh I'm not sponsored by them. There's a company in the states called Joy Lux, and they make a device called the in Canada it's called the V Sculpt. In the United States it's called the V Fit. It's the same product. And it's a it looks like a white dildo in a way. And there's mm-hmm. red light therapy. And infrared heat and vibration. Yeah. And it helps with collagen and it helps with circulation and it helps relax overactive muscles. And if you do your pelvic floor muscle activation, so your kegel exercises against the vibration, that can actually heighten the kind of the recruitment of pelvic floor. So it's it's a really multifaceted tool. And I think it's it puts so much control and and prevention and again even restoration. So people who do experience dryness who are already experiencing atrophy, as long as they can still mm-hmm. accommodate this currently, there's that there's dilators that could help them build up to it. But it's I, I just think it's such an amazing self-help tool to help keep our vaginas healthy.
4: It's
1: interesting. I was having a little bit of a moment after I was just talking and asking you that question because I'm like, of course, I grew up in a culture that told me that the health of your vagina is really, you know, all about mm-hmm. sex mm-hmm. <laughs> and how it can serve other people. Yeah,
0: yeah. and not necessarily. And, and you know, like sex, so. part of part of the role of our pelvic floor is sexual response. It's a, it's, but it's not the whole mm-hmm. thing. Continence, organ support, pelvic and spinal stability. It plays a role with our diaphragm, like a sump pump. Like there's all these other things that that it does as well. And we just don't even, we don't even, even things like constipation, constipation can often be tied to the pelvic floor. So
1: yeah. Huh. Okay. I'm going to, I think I'm going to walk away from this with (laughs) like maybe more questions than I even asked you. So I'll have to just dig in more to your, to your content on social media. So I want to ask about Kegels. Mm -hmm. I admittedly don't do them. So can no. you can you tell me tell me really like kind of what's your what's your spiel if you will and and I know that because you talk about how this is really should be more of a proactive exercise and it is like a reactive exercise to whatever ailment we might have.
0: Yeah, so Kegel's Dr. Arnold Kegel in the 1940s was recognizing that his women patients after giving birth were experiencing challenges with sensation and also their capacity to contract and relax their pelvic floor. And so he used a biofeedback device called a perineometer to help them see what the pelvic floor was doing, even if they couldn't necessarily feel it right now and had great improvement. So that's essentially where the Kegel exercise came from. It was a voluntary contract, like activation and relaxation of the pelvic floor. And Mm -hmm. what has happened over time, like many things in fitness, People think more is better. People think I need to do it harder. People think, you know, that it's really just the squeeze. And so there's a misinterpretation. Part of it also because no, none of us have ever received Kegel training or pelvic floor muscle right. training. We have had pelvic exams with a speculum, but, and none of us like those and they're always uncomfortable. And so we always have a, a we have an ick kind of feeling when it right. comes to that and pelvic floor physical therapy does not involve speculums it's very it's not ick at all um and again we, if we had had the seed planted earlier that this becomes part of our life just like we go see the dentist every year even if we don't have a toothache we should be seeing a pelvic floor physical mm-hmm. therapist every year to help maintain the health of this vital part of the body and part of the evaluation with a pelvic floor physical therapist is how can you contract and relax what's your capacity and a lot of people actually interpret some of the symptoms they have as their pelvic floor being weak. And by weak, they they think their pelvic, pelvic floor muscles are, are lax. And oftentimes, they can be overactive. So we can have weakness from tight or overactive muscles. If that person did more activation, Kegel activation, and really forgot about and left out the relaxation component, they can actually make things worse. So Oh, dear. Yeah. So, a key kegels are mm-hmm. not the end all be all, but I do believe that there is a place for them. We have evidence to support that they do work when they are done correctly, when they're done consistently. And I kind of take it a step further and say, again, kegels are great. We have evidence to support that they work, but they're a static exercise. So, a lot of times it's, you know, do them at every red light or while you're brushing your teeth. That doesn't train the pelvic floor dynamically. So, when we can incorporate kegels into whole body movement i think it becomes much more effective.
1: Oh, i see what you're saying. Okay. How does one go about finding a pelvic floor is it pelvic floor physiologist? Pelvic floor physical therapist. If you're in the states, pelvic
0: floor yeah. physical therapy. If you're in Canada, it's physiotherapy. It's the same thing.
1: Okay, that's right. So, do you should someone just google pelvic floor physical therapist or is there like a like psychology today has like a site where you can find like licensed therapists? Is it similar?
0: Yeah, so I usually recommend that you go to Google first and put in pelvic floor therapy, pelvic floor physical therapy, physiotherapy, and your town or city or wherever you are in the world. The American Physical Therapy Association does have a listing under Women's Health, Canadian Physiotherapy Association. Uh, There's also a site called pelvicguru.com where she is a pelvic floor physical therapist, and she's also created a directory of not just physical okay. therapists, but other pelvic health professionals. And it's, it's, it is global. I wouldn't say it's the most, it's not comprehensive for, you know, not every single practitioner will be there, but it can also be a place for people to,
4: to start.
1: So, so someone like me who, like, I don't, I'm not having any major quote unquote problems. You know, I'm in perimenopause, I'm 47 and a half um, my bladder it is better than it was, but how could someone like me benefit from, from, that's the first part of my question. How can someone like me benefit? And also like, what does one expect at sort of like the intake appointment for, for this? Yeah. So you be-
0: you could benefit because you have a vagina and also because you've already told me that you have experienced SI joint pain and bladder challenges in the past. So you, you are, mm-hmm. and you've given, Well, I
1: shouldn't make that assumption. You have a child. I had a C section first and then a bat. So I had a V back with my second one.
0: And so you've given birth twice. And a lot of people say, well, I gave birth via caesarean. So my vagina is fine. But pelvic, like you've had all the same accommodations and like all the same adaptations throughout
1: pregnancy the hormonal, the weight of the baby on the pelvic floor. Yeah. So
0: so you've already told me
1: those things. I feel like that I feel like that is like in some ways, and I am not a medical doctor, but like in some ways that's more traumatic to your body. Yeah.
0: Arguably <laughs> I, I totally pregnancy in and of
1: itself yep. than than giving birth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So yikes. So okay. For all of those reasons, even if you had said, I've never been pregnant, I've never, I would still say you have a vagina, mm-hmm. you're approaching menopause. Yeah. And even if you were in your 30s, mm-hmm. I would still say go, because people walk away from that appointment and they say how is it that i've lived this many years and i've you know with this body and i didn't know this or i just learned so much about yeah. this what happens typically the first appointment is an hour and there there'll be a detailed health history questionnaire they will go through and these are all people who have done the the, the regular physiotherapy mm-hmm. degree and training and then they have taken additional training specific to the pelvic okay. floor so they are licensed to evaluate and treat beyond the entrance to the, to the vagina. Men do have mm-hmm. a pelvic floor. Men can also see pelvic floor physical therapists. If they have an internal evaluation, it's through the rectum. And in women, we can also have a rectal evaluation as well, but it's most commonly done through the vagina. In that appointment, there is a physical. So we they look at how you move, how you breathe. They might do some um, movement tests with you to see how you, what you, what are your recruitment strategies? And then they'll also tie that to what you may have come in, what sort of symptoms you might be having or what's your health history. Okay. Then there will be an internal evaluation. And this may not always happen on that first appointment, but when the internal happens, you will then change into a hospital gown. You will be on a treatment table. The therapist will leave the room. They'll come back in. Um, And with your consent, they will do an internal evaluation. They will use gloved fingers they typically sit beside you. You're laying on the treatment table with your knees bent. They will kind of look externally at the vulva, at the tissues surrounding. If there's any scar tissue, maybe from uh, childbirth or other surgeries.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then they will take one finger and insert it into the vagina. If you can accommodate that. And if you can, then they will insert a second. And what they're feeling for is the tone of the muscles is the. Tone balanced, like is one side maybe feeling more rigid or tight or the other side more lax or is it fairly balanced between the two oh, sides?
2: Uh-huh. They'll feel
0: for the position of the organs and they may also ask you to cough or bear down to see if there's any descent of the organs. They'll assess your capacity to do a kegel so that contract and sort of upward lift movement mm-hmm. and relaxation. Um, they'll, if they find any points of Kind of tight tightness, like trigger points, like we could have when we go see a regular massage therapist. They may do some some release techniques. They could also do some scar mobilization work. And then, in a really ideal world, they would also assess you in standing. So they take you off the treatment table.
2: Mm.
0: They sit or kneel on the floor, and you still have your hospital gown. They would in, again insert the fingers into the vagina, and now what they want to do is say, "Okay, what's well, changed." With the influence of gravity? Is the position of the organs different? Is your capacity to contract and relax your muscles different? And then they may ask you even to do a squat. So they would feel as you squat down, it's involved. (laughs) As you squat down, they're feeling what's the pelvic floor doing? Is is it going through its normal response? Is it reacting at the right time? Is it using the right amount of force? Because at the end of the day, that's what we need the pelvic floor to do. We need the pelvic floor to anticipate our movement. So we shouldn't have to be thinking about doing a Kegel every time we're doing something. It just happens. Mm -hmm. It should be able to react at the right time with the right amount of force for the task at hand. And so this evaluation helps determine, helps us develop an awareness about whether or not that's happening. And then what we need to do to get back to that capacity to anticipate the load, react at the right time, have the endurance we need, have the strength we need, but also have the capacity to let go and and release when we're not working.
1: I had no idea that it was that involved, but it all <laughs> makes sense when you say it, you know, and like all the different angles and well, you've sold me, I'm convinced. And I know that there's there's a couple in my area, I've, I've kind of seen them in a, like a mom's group that I'm in on, on Facebook. And this has been seriously, one of like the top 10 most informative interviews that I've ever done. Thank you so much. Before we close up, is there anything that you want to circle back to, to make sure that you feel complete? If you take away one thing is to see a pelvic floor physical therapist, at least, at least once in your life, but ideally once a year for the rest of your life. Once a year. Okay. All right. Just like, you know, we're supposed to see our OBGYN once a year. and. Uh, okay. So where do you want people, like if people want to learn more about you and your lessons, where do you want them to go? You said you're starting a podcast soon.
0: I am starting a podcast in January. Um, it'll be called January, 2023, 2023. Yes. It'll be called between two lips and, um, (laughs) it'll be mainly interviews. So similar to you and I, uh, the odd time it will be myself. And it's just a way again to, Put this information out there, and it's free. And whoever can listen, and wherever they are, they can gain some knowledge and then be able to take action to improve their pelvic yes. health. So, vaginacoach.com is where everything that I talk about and offer is is, and the podcast will eventually live there as well.
1: And you're you're at vagina coach on. Social media as well, correct? Vagina coach
0: is also my yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, all all my social handles are also at Vagina Coach.
1: The, all those links will be in the show notes, everyone listening. And I just, I really invite you to visit Kim's website and follow her on social media. I love the little like bite sized lessons that you have. It's been so informative to me, and I appreciate you so much. This is such important work. Thank you for for coming on today and. Everyone listening, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. I appreciate you so much. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes, andreaowen.com slash free. And you just sign up. You get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed.
2: Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster
3: You've come to the right place.